Hey everyone, Jack here. Um, just checking in with you guys. The audio-only version, Legends. Um, there is a video version if you ever want to see that. It's over on YouTube, Talk Nero City. But to all of you who listen on iTunes, SoundCloud, Acast, wherever you listen, thank you. This episode is probably my favourite, actually. Um, when Chris mentioned this to me, that he'd lined up Gary Carzer, I thought, wow, this has the potential to be really good. It, it took a lot of preparation. I wanted to get this one right, and I feel like we have to a certain extent. There's certain legalities we need to dance around. All of you guys know what happened between Paul Lambert, um, Ian Culverhouse, and Gary Carza, but I feel like we got Gary's side of the story across really well. Let's not forget, this is a man who masterminded Norwich City through one of the most memorable moments and, and periods in Norwich City recent history. So this is a man that has got a big footprint on, on this Norwich City club and, and, and the history and he never got to say goodbye. This is the first piece of Norwich City related media he's done since leaving. The first piece of media he's really done. He's, he's a man who likes to stay out of the spotlight and probably rightly so. But Gary Carza drove all the way down from London to film this. I'm now sitting in a McDonald's car park recording this little segment. It's 11 o'clock at night. But I really hope you guys enjoy this. And thank you for the support on the TNC podcast. This is my favourite thing to film. I thoroughly enjoy it. And thanks to you guys listening and your support, it means that we can hopefully attract more decent guests in the future. Hello and welcome back to the TNC podcast for episode number 72. I'm delighted today to welcome Gary Carter to the hot seat. Gary what an absolute pleasure. When Chris mentioned that you were coming on, I was really excited because we've had players on before, we've had managers on before, never have we had an assistant manager on before, or a head of football, yes, as you like to it were. call yourself. Uh, Gary, yes. pleasure you too. to be here, mate. Chris, good to see oh, you man. as well. Good to see you. Um, I'm not sure where to start. Let's first of all start with what's sitting under this table. Yeah, um, go on, go on. Now, first of all, you've... you've you're currently at QPR. We'll get onto that role in a minute. Yeah. You've drove all the way down from London for this. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that. What's this sitting here? Talk me through it. And why have you bought it? Well, it's going to be cold because Norwich is going to throw some array hats and gloves. Amazing. Absolute legend. They're last seasons, but that's fine. Thank you very much. And then much. the season before, we were with Dry World for a little while and I watched the podcast, uh, Russell Martin's one, yeah. and watched the clip on the uh, Six Aside game. Yeah. Felt quite sorry for you, to be fair, if I'm honest. Not only did you not have the same socks... But you kind of, uh, I don't know how that ball got through your legs. So I thought, right, I'm going to bring some socks for you and your mates. <laughs> Thanks, Garrett. Thank you very much. Um, what did you say off, off camera, Gary? You said that you couldn't get into the walking football team, I think? Well, we've got a walking football side at QPR, and I've been invited to join there. Not quite yet. I'm still a little away from that, but I think you could just about get that one. <laughs> I'm not sure if I'm even up to that standard. Oh, I'm enjoying this. Just, oh. just anyway, pleasure still to have you here, Gary. Um, right, let's let's start from the beginning then. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, we'll get on to Norwich in a moment. Let's go from Wickham. Um, talk to me about how you got into that role, how the relationship started to form with people we'll get on to in a minute, and just kind of that development, because it wasn't obviously your first club, but it was no. kind of the first notable club, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, I've been... I think I did youth development for 15 years, head of youth as it were then. Yeah. Uh, Centre of Excellence. Is this at Wickham? Uh, before Wickham, I was at Leighton Orient. Yeah. And then uh, prior to Leighton Orient, I was actually in the Premier League with Charlton at the time. Okay. Oh, wow. Um, but that was in a recruitment role. And when the opportunity came to go to Leighton Orient, that was in, the, in League Two at the time, I felt, yeah, I want that because it's a job you can actually affect, change and affect. Yeah. Development. So um, went to Latin Orient, did all right there. We uh, I, I also because again the size of the club and the resources available, I did the youth team as well for about a year, as well as being the head of youth. And we did all right. We got to the last sixteen of the FA Youth Cup, which was a, a good achievement. Yeah. <laughs> and we had players in there like Gabby Zakawani, uh, Jason Dimitriou, who's still playing. Gabby's still playing, I think. Played um, last Derek night, Duncan. didn't he for Newport? Yeah. yeah. So we had a good, you know, Joe Carroll, who's um, went on to Arsenal for a little while. So we had a good kind of group of players, mm. good group of lads. So then Ian um, was at Wickham with um, Ian John Gorman. Yeah. Okay. And what happened was the uh, opportunity to go to Wickham 
came about by virtue of their head of youth leaving. So Ian said, look, would I be interested? Um, spoke to John. Um, they said what they were looking for. They explained what the philosophy was and what they were looking to achieve. Again, a small club. and So I thought, yeah, that's a challenge, you know, because later at that time, I'd been there three and a half years. We got to a good point. But it's like anything, you know, once you get the best people around you, you educate, yeah. you kind of uh, empower them and support them. It's, you know, and you support them and make sure that project is working. It, it was nice. It was ticking along nicely. And I just felt at that point in my career, this was a good challenge, if you like, mm. or a good opportunity to, to take that further in a different area with a different mindset, yeah. with a different culture. So I uh, went to Wickham. Um, and it kind of restructured the youth department and it was not difficult, it was strange coming from a multicultural kind of part of London to Wickham but nonetheless it was a great project and from that project I think we've got players in the league now you've got Jordan Ibe mm. uh, signed him as a 12 year old I think it was wow. uh, Matty Phillips who's now at West Brom mm. who's at QPR yeah. Matt Ingram who's still yeah, at QPR. Uh, Josh Scowan, uh, who's at QPR, funnily enough. Uh, Kadeem Harris, who's at Cardiff. Uh, Matty Cash, who's at Notts Forest. Matty Cash, yeah. Um, Great player. And these are all players that you've... We produced at Wickham, you know, so we kind of signed them wow. as schoolboys. And the, the philosophy was brilliant. And at the time, initially, Ian was youth team manager. Okay. So... In terms of players and their ability, we knew that if it was a question mark, Ian would develop them. Mm. You know, Amazing. such was his ability and mm. such is his ability as a coach. So that relationship between you and Ian was developed at quite an early stage in that Wickham. We actually worked together initially at Barnet in the 90s, late okay. 90s. We both worked for John Steele. Um, and at that time, that when they got relegated, that's when I went to, um, yeah, that's when I went to Charlton from Barnet. And Ian stayed uh, at Barnet, and then from Barnet he went to Leighton Orient. Um, and that's, I went to Leighton Orient, but not through him kind of thing. It was, you know, through um, the department that run the youth okay. kind of thing. It was kind of a strange mm. setup there. But. So, so Wickham do fantastic work. Then you move to Colchester United. Yeah. Paul Lambert is now in the equation. Mm -hmm. How is the difference between Wickham and Colchester, and are there relationships similar to the ones you've built at Wickham? Well, the role was completely different at yeah. Colchester. It was, I think the title was, I love a title in football. I think it was technical director, so... Sounds fancy. The owners, <laughs> <coughs> excuse me, the owners at the time were looking for kind of a plan to put the club, kind of join all the bits that make up the club. Um, they didn't really have a training ground. They were training at the barracks nearby. And it was one wow. where there was a long-term vision in terms of where they wanted the club to go, new stadium, uh, lots of land around it that was going to be mm. developed. So it was more about kind of building up all the mini departments that make the whole first team football states. Medical department, recruitment, S&C. And you're overseeing all of that? So my job was to manage and oversee that, put the plan together, based on the vision and philosophy that the owners had and the financial par parameters by which they worked. So, so it's wow. quite an exciting... Essentially you were what the modern day sporting director is. Yeah, that's I suppose. now really fashionable and yeah. what Norwich have adopted. Yeah, it meant that the manager could then concentrate on managing and the coaching stuff. But again, being as it wasn't the biggest club, it also meant that you had to be on the grass and you had to yeah. assist with coaching and that, which is fine because I've been coaching for that, years yeah. and years. So. And Chris, the, the day that Gary Carson probably <clears throat> first came onto your radar was Carrowed. One of the worst days of uh, me watching Norwich. Colchester 7, Norwich City 1. We spoke about it with many people on this podcast before, but let's speak about that day again. What are your I love memories? you and hate you for that. <laughs> do, you know the, the thing that really stands you. In, do you know the thing that really stands out in my mind? The season ticket? No. Just before the game kicks off. So we're out there. And then they start singing. The Norwich fans. Mm. 
that oldest song mm, in on football. The city, yeah. On the ball city. And I'm thinking, wow. Really? That was unbelievable. It was... League One. Like, we'd been relegated yeah. to League One. Yeah. And that, little things stay with you. Yeah. That, I thought, wow. I'd never, in all my years, heard anything as intense yeah. in a stadium. And that's, and that, you know, and, that, and I was just that, thought, wow. Was that a part of the romance that potentially sold you the opportunity to come to Norwich? Well, Ian spoke highly of Norwich. Mm, um, and the opportunity to come in, look, they were a sleeping giant. Mm. So when the opportunity arose, you know, it was one where you think, look, if you don't take that... Colchester was a great club, mm. you know, and they're doing really fine now because they've kind of shifted the philosophy yeah. or the vision where they're investing as opposed to spending on players, which yeah. is a great thing. Mm -hmm. But League One, 26 and a half, 27,000, week in, week out, diehard fans. Yeah. What a history as well. Mm. The opportunity to come and kind of affect that mm. and be a part of something going forward, you know, if you don't take it, then you'll always look back and say, what if? Yeah. And, and yeah. So. But what, what, what I'm quite interested in is your. Because that day is quite a iconic day as such, because it was a real catalyst for Norwich City in terms of that was when the spark started, and that's when yeah. we we gained such momentum, obviously. And it, and I would argue that if that had not happened, we probably wouldn't be where we are today. I think we'd we probably would have been promoted to the championship still. Yeah. But it would have taken us probably a wee bit longer potentially. Yeah. That's all with all the love and respect in the world to Gunny. Um, and it's just it's quite interesting to I'd love to hear your thoughts on, for example, that day we right. shipped seven. We, we had a brand new goalkeeper in the goal. Did, yeah. did you did you feel like the villain? Did you feel no. like how did you feel? We knew we could win. Um, we'd worked ever so hard in pre-season with the group of players that we had uh, and the style of play that Ian had kind of implemented mm. in terms of, you know, it was pressing, I remember, and it was at points on the pitch that you would press. And we knew that if we did that, um, that we could get to, you know, get at Norwich. 7-1 was ridiculous, but it wasn't a fluke, was it? What were you thinking? Like, could we you couldn't just... believe it. Yeah, I was going to say. There was a lady and her husband behind me who later on, obviously, once we got to know, got to know her really quite yeah. well. And she, what a lovely lady. I just felt sorry for her because <laughs> I couldn't believe. And I couldn't, I had a really bad back that day because the week before, I stupidly tried to do an overhead kick. <laughs> and I'd done what you had done, but worse. So I, and she was really like sympathetic in that. And I thought, what a lovely lady. But that kind of symbolises the crowd. Yeah, you know, and symbolises the people at Norwich. So we went away. We were proud, as you like. Yeah, you know, um, we were proud, you know, and we were kind of one where we thought, right, that's a good footing for us now to. Crack yeah, on. tell me about so it. So we went on, you know. We, we I think we played like the three or four games, but we were top of the league. We were playing Yeovil on the Tuesday, and it was to be our last game. Mm. And I think it was about a week, ten days from then. Mm. We, we'd beaten Yeovil 2 once. So I think we left, I think we were there or thereabouts at the top of the table. This but is with the, Colchester. Yeah, so. but the project at Norwich was... And I remember driving up on the day, we um, obviously, we came straight from Colchester and it's like little side roads and what have you. Yeah. So, <laughs> we don't you know, have a proper road system in East Ham yet. Well, <laughs> Thetford Road now is superb, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Superb. And Ian was telling me, you know, of his time here and what a club it was mm. and how, you know, again, describing the fans just want to see effort and commitment and, mm. you know, blood, sweat and tears for the shirt, which, and you can see why. So, you know, and the rest is kind of Do history. You, yeah. I mean, that must have been a, a real sort of whirlwind month and the following years that we'll talk about in a moment, even more so. But do you feel slightly saddened that that was, I mean, that we know there's not much loyalty in football, but what do you think the Colchester fans think about you at the moment because you know you, you go to Carrowd at 7-1 and then you leave do you think there's any hostility there there was quite rightly so yeah because the club invest not so much money but the fans invest their hopes and dreams in you yeah mm. and Colchester had been in the championship uh, they just moved into a new stadium the crowds weren't taken to that stadium for whatever reason because mm, it was outside. Yeah. It's a weird crowd, isn't it? Yeah, it's strange. 
you know, and 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 you kind of give them that belief that we might just be going there and doing something, and obviously that first result that of that season, you know, they must have thought oh, we could yeah. actually. And to be fair, the manager that went in after us, Hayley Boothroyd, mm. was a good manager. Yeah, and knew what he was doing. It just obviously for whatever reason um, didn't quite work out for him. You mm. know, but I think we'd laid the foundation for an upward rise, which is all you can do. In football, it's you could say it's loyalty in certain respects, but it's also opportunity. Okay. And if you you know if you see there's an opportunity, I mean, you're only going to get one time. Yeah. Because you know there's plenty of managers that I know now that you know wish they'd gone. That had that period where they were being kind of looked at and for whatever reason didn't go. And was it Warnock that came out this week or last week saying? Chelsea knocked on his door and he rejected it and he wished he had the chance. Did you read that quote, Jack? Uh, no, but it absolutely says everything that, that <clears throat> yeah. Gary's saying that sometimes managers in the past have maybe potentially been too loyal, so now that's why there's this chopping changing around. Chris, we all know that you, you love Gunny, as does all Norwich fans. What were your kind of think back to that that time? What was your reaction when Culverhouse Cars or Lambert come to Norwich City? Was it Optimism was it? Oh my God, we've lost seven one. Um, what does this season hold for us? To be honest with you, um, I was in a bit of a football morning uh, because you know Gunny's a very close family friend, loved him to bits. Um, it was a shame that he was always going to take that job, um, and he had to try and do something to keep them up. And I think that there were a lot of sour grapes in the changing room that that came down, that obviously left when we went down as well. Um, obviously the grass wasn't greener i.e. Sammy Klingon there's a, there's a few that we can name on that list um, so I was but I was personally still getting over the way that Gunny had been dismissed but when because he was a club legend he is a club legend undeniably and I think that it was disgusting and I don't use that word lightly the, the way that he was he was treated but when you know Gary, Ian and, and Paul turn up I'm I'm all over the shop because these, these sods have smashed us 7-1 at home and now all of a sudden they're here. So, so I love them now. And it's like, it was a really fascinating, interesting situation. But yeah, I, I was ridiculously optimistic because in fairness to, to McNally, I, when, when, he, when he made it happen, well, obviously a lot of people made it happen behind the scenes, but when it all happened, I was like, Jesus, this guy means business. We've got probably the best and I'm not just saying this I, I genuinely thought we had the best people now to go and do the job mm. that we needed to but and it'd be interesting to get Gary's thoughts I don't think um, Gunny's efforts weren't appreciated because of course he was the man that brought in such fantastic players into the club for, for Gary and, and Ian yeah, and, and Paul to play with and I think that fans are starting to realise that now we would not have signed Brian Gunn and um, Brian Gunn Grant Holt if it wasn't for Gunny yeah. and, and that is Arguably, in my opinion, and, and certainly in, in your you know era of, of watching Jack, he is the best player to have stepped on the turf at Carrow Road. So for me, I was all over the place. But I was optimistic. I was genuinely optimistic when they came in the door, 100%. So, yeah. Gary, when you walk through the doors at Carrow Road and Colney, what's the mindset? Is it a complete mess behind the scenes? Nah, is it nothing like that. So they, you... they needed... It was low on confidence. Uh, obviously, the resources uh, weren't there mm. for obvious reasons whatever you want to call the type of spending that had obviously... But you hadn't been used to tons of resources. No, so it was okay for us. It was more about the first thing you do when you go in for a project. Listen, the bigger the project, the harder, in theory, it's going to be. But with Norwich, it it wasn't. It was about adapting that mentality Mm. and adapting the culture and making sure that everyone understood that the glass was half full, not half empty. Okay. So when we went in there, we... It was eyes wide open. We knew, for example, we didn't have a kit man. We didn't have a sports scientist. Uh, Chippy, Ian Crook, was doing the kit. We was all yeah. chipping in and, you know, eventually we, we, we bought a lady. I never knew that. Um, yeah, it was, it was interesting. I mean, but you, you... it was good. I thought it was, it was brilliant because the people that were there, the staff, the players, the people that, in football, a lot of people are invisible. Mm. Totally. By virtue of where they are, and which you've got to understand, the man at the gate, the man doing the kit, 
the man doing the ground, mm. you know, the ground keepers, whatever. Yeah. Everyone is part of this story, project, mm. cogging, or whatever. Yeah. So what we did, initially, we sat down, Ian obviously does all the football, okay. looked at what we had, what we needed. For example, Russ coming in, first yeah. of all, Ian said, look, we need someone who's going to affect the changing room, who's going to affect this bunch of lads. They need support, they need... Mm. And Russ was the man you identified. He was the man, either. yeah, for sure. And he was so, the bloody man, wasn't he? Yeah. Uh, and then in terms of the infrastructure of the football club, we said, right, this is what we've got at our disposal at this moment in time. Everyone can do what they're going to do and everyone needs to help everyone, which is fine. Everyone wanted to do that. So I put this kind of like a plan thing together. It was like a document. So the name of the person, their particular role, um, a little bit about them, and then a bit about their role, as we perceived it, and a bit about their role as they perceived it. Okay, interesting. And then what they felt a group objective would be for that yeah. particular season. <clears throat> and then everyone had that. This is like the secret sauce. I'm not sure you should be disclosing this. I don't mate. mind. This is got to share. <laughs> yeah. If it, you know, and everyone had one. Mm. So everyone knew who everyone was. Everyone knew what everyone did. Everyone kind of by virtue of that kind of respected what everyone did and if in a position to helped so mm. everyone mm. so it became one team it, there was a seamless kind of movement between departments if you like because mm. everyone was there to help everyone mm. I mean this is fascinating because what you're explaining here and off camera when we spoke essentially you are your role was what Stuart Webber's is now yet Stuart Webber is so much more public facing it's, yeah. so do you feel like the success at Norwich under your time we're almost replicating now if I'm honest now looking at what Stuart's done <coughs> Daniel there are stronger foundations okay. there's a, a club this is how I can see it from the outside yeah. the philosophy is a club driven philosophy Yeah, it's not a manager driven philosophy and it's a philosophy based on stabilising the infrastructure developing the infrastructure the fact, the fact you, there's so many young lads yeah. in the side, Jamal, for example, yeah. to, you know, that was investment that was made some five years ago mm. when the academy, we, it was cat one when we were there, we kind of helped Rick put it all together yeah. and whatever, yeah. And they recruited aggressively, but in a nice way. Yeah. They knew the type of player they wanted. They knew the fabric of the club, you know, and what was going to be required. And those kids then were, what, 13, 14 years of age. So they knew what they were doing. There yeah. was always a long-term plan. You know, and the, I think that what they've done, quite rightly so, should be praised because we had a plan. So the plan, I think, was about five years to get to the Premier League. Yeah, mm. I remember it well. So whilst there was a plan, there wasn't a lot of detail within that plan. And it so happens that we, we made it in two, which was unbelievable. Were we ready? Well, year one, we I think we were 13, 14. Yeah. So that was the foundation that mm. should have been built on. And who Could was responsible for putting this plan together? Well, David, in, in, in the first instance, <laughs> said, look, this is what we need to do. This is how we're going to do it. We need to invest as opposed to spend, which is fair enough. You know, And that's including the playing personnel. Uh, and then see, you know, the five years and, and what have you. Um, which was interesting, and it was kind of where myself and Ian were used to working with limited resources. Yeah. Mm. They weren't as limited as when we were both at Barney, for example, where, you know, those socks, you would never have got those socks. <laughs> I mean, they're nice socks, Gary. They're lovely they're nice socks, socks. But you'd have never got those socks. Because <laughs> those socks, they're not Quality used socks. this year, will be used next year, will yeah. be used the year after. Yeah. So... There wasn't, you know, it was it was about juggling what you had. It was about kind of bringing in people that were coming here for the right reasons, mm. you know. So I think now the job that's been done is, is to be fair, it's, there's, you can see it's a long-term thing, mm. the building. Mm. There's no port cabins. It was after we <laughs> left. We'd actually sat and, and kind of, it was the year or the season we got promoted. I'd actually sat and went round to everyone and said, look, within your department, what would you require? You know, the must-haves would be nice to have and a Brucey bonus if you get it. <laughs> so, and we, we kind nice. of put together 
because the training ground was brilliant. It's, you know, albeit dated, mm. but it was a good functional mm. training ground. And then apparently he got taken over by port cabins, is that right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all port cabins, yeah, so... But it was all there kind of thing, but obviously the execution wasn't to be. Right, Gary, we're, we're through League One. We get into the Championship, and I think Norwich fans, especially my age, Chris's age, and, and all, all I've Norwich got to tell you fans. about League One first. Okay. The funniest bit in League One. Go yeah. on then. We beat Carlisle 2 1. Yeah. I don't know if you remember yeah. that. So, do you remember when Wes retired? I never tweet, I follow tweet, but I sent a picture of him waving a blue shin pad. Yes. Yeah. 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 Right. Saw it. The story is, we got a kit man in eventually. Matty Lewis, lovely kid. Don't know what he's doing now. To be fair, he's not a kit man. <laughs> so we go all the way to Carlisle in the morning. Go to Daddy Kit. He opens the bag. No shit pads. Absolute carnage. No shit pads. <laughs> is players, this just for Wes or everyone? No, everyone. Right. Okay. Because we have the shit pads <laughs> initialed yeah, in the bag. Yeah. We go all the way to Carlisle. There's no shit pads. So. You know what players are like? They want... They, yeah. Know, oh, what do we do? What do we do? So Chip and uh, Matty went to Sports Direct and bought... <laughs> God. ...a job lot of blue shin pads. This really is Tim. Yeah, I remember... <laughs> I remember rightly, it was never going to be that smither, right? So I think we went 1-0 down. Then we equalised and West scored the winner. So as he scored the winner, he's taken out the shin pad. <laughs> Brilliant. No one knows the significance of oh, that. Oh, wow. Matty never, ever... That made Matty such a good... Conscientious yeah. kit man after that, um, and never forgot a thing, let alone. But it just went to show the strength of the players wow. and the power of that group mm. that nothing was going to stop them getting no. out. Yeah, now Brilliant. that's your story from League One. We uh, we dropped a text to Russ. your friend Russ Martin, <laughs> and oh, he said, um, "Ask Gary about the time at Wickham and Norwich when he kept getting phone calls from Wendy. I had him going for ages, oh, telling him yeah. he was a beautiful man." And he just couldn't work out who it was. It was him, wasn't it? After a few calls, he realised it was one of the lads. Yeah. Me and, me and a few others would be in tears watching him on the phone. <laughs> in the right. car He's got a great memory. He's so, got a great memory. Talk to me about Wendy. So, obviously, you get a call. Hello? Yeah. Hi, this is Wendy. Right. You think, right, it's a parent or it's someone that's... And then they start to describe me. And, they, you know, they're kind of... Not, not intimate feelings, <laughs> but certain feelings. And I'm thinking, So in those days, the phones were them little tiny yeah. things, weren't they? Yeah. So you couldn't, there was no loudspeaker, what have you. So I'd say, look, sorry, got to go, bang, put it down. Next 10 minutes, bang, it's that again. And this went on, might have gone on for ages. And in the end, I'm thinking, because it was a really good voice. Was it? It was a fantastic voice, because it took <laughs> ages for me to think, hang on a minute, there's something going on here. And because I'm not the brightest you could see by that. <laughs> but because... Yeah, and it was him, yeah, and the lads. Oh, it was superb. So Russ was Wendy? <laughs> well, as far as I know, it was him, yeah. He's, he's very good. Amazing. He's very, very good, yeah. He so enjoyed, he remembered he that. Sharing, well yeah. done. Uh, yeah, I don't mind it, because, it's, it's, listen, it's part of the journey. Yeah. We'd, but that shows, I guess, how yeah. tight-knit that group were. Yeah, and again, you know, just because we sat in senior roles, we were one team, we were mm. one group. Powerful. You know, it's very important that everyone mm. is one kind of thing. League One, fantastic championship. Talk me through that because, from my memories, it, w- it was a, it was a whirlwind. Some of the some of the best football we've seen in modern time. What was the secret to that time? Because the squad certainly wasn't the best in the league. We had a few standout players, of course, but what were your memories from that time? Because you know we've heard it from players. I don't think we've ever heard it from behind the scenes. Almost our plan was to consolidate. Okay. Okay. We. Up, we, you know, we thought right, we've done really well really? to be right. So let's consolidate. Let's get to where we're going to get to, and then have a concerted push wow. the following year. So, Ian, who kind of, in terms of the style of play, the the the, the formation, the way we approach games, uh, his attention to detail is frightening. So, in my years, I would say just a little side. I would say that. Probably Ian Carveras, uh, Simon Ireland, who's assistant head coach at Knott's Forest now, okay. and Andrew Impey, the used to play for QPR. Yeah. Those three coaches are probably the best three I've worked with mm. in terms of their ability to put together, based on what they've got at their disposal, <clears throat> uh, a group that works 
exactly to how and what's required. You know, footballers want to know what they're doing and want to. So in terms of how we played, I think in the main we were we played a, uh, with a diamond formation. Yeah. We'd switch Wes to be the, the tip of the diamond. Mm. Mate, you're making me emotional thinking about this. So we got to a point where we kind of brought in lads like Simeon Jackson. Anthony McNamee had done really well the year mm. before. Because uh, he played so, for Colchester in League One, right? No, Anthony McNamee's oh, retired now. Yeah, but no, 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 no. At the time, when when you guys tongued us 7-1, was he not playing for Colchester at that point? No. Or was he playing for Ipswich at that I point? I don't know where he was. Because he did all these dangling clubs, mm. didn't he? I think he was sure. at Don's for a little while, what wasn't am I thinking of? Sorry, I'm thinking of it. Lisby. I'm on yeah. Oh, Kevin Lisby, yeah. I'm miles away, I'm no, Kevin Lisby. He's also retired now. Mm, not yeah. surprised. But he still plays a little bit of football. <laughs> Does he? Because uh, he was a young lad when I was a child. So, I, th- I think it was Ollie Johnson who had played in League One. So Ollie what Johnson. Ian, remember that name. one? We, I think it was Stockport we took him from, but it was so, it was so, it was difficult to get him in because obviously the money was real. But everyone kind of, that Ian identified was... He knew that if they needed a certain amount of development, he could do that. But at that point and that time, they would be suited for the, mm. for what we needed. Mm. You know, um, it sounds so in. much about Ian Culverhouse. So, are you saying that? Because I hear this all the time from people that Ian did so much, particularly in that championship campaign. You talk about things like formation and stuff. Yeah, that's I didn't even realise that. Oh yeah, we had we were very good with our formations. We were quite fluid. We could switch to different things. Um, Simeon Jackson, we knew, would play with Holtie up top Mm. and that they would complement each other. Occasionally we had to go with one Mm. at top, but they spent hours with Simeon on the training pitch with pads, what have you, kind of developing his movement, his timing, what have you. And it paid dividends, Mm, didn't it? But it's all that hard work that's off the pitch, Mm. uh, that's on the training pitch that people, you know, essentially don't really see on a on a Saturday but appreciating when it goes well you know so we got to a point it was around Christmas time when we thought you know what hello we can do this <laughs> Hang on, we can get to the playoffs here and when does that switch from okay we're <coughs> consolidating to blimey like we're in well a good you're place either here. the hunted or the hunters yeah mm. so we were always the hunters right you know and we played some sides you know Cardiff I remember had loads of money Leeds um, I remember um, Swansea, yeah. You know the, the money that had invested, yeah. kind of. Yeah. Southampton were they in our league at that point? We, yeah, yeah. We went up with them, didn't we? Yeah. Did we play in the league one Swansea. as well? Drew, yeah. yeah. Pardew was the manager, wasn't he? So it got to around that time. We thought, right. So then we start to plot a little plan again. There's three games ago. What we would expect mm. without telling the players, we kind of affected their mindset. Okay. Um, and then we got the. When I knew, or when we knew, I think we played Cardiff. It was about, I think it was at home. And I remember that Russ was primarily doing a job on um, Bellamy. Yeah. And I remember Ian said, listen, keep getting forward because he ain't going to come back with you. Mm. He won't Mm. come. I think Russ scored in that game, didn't he? If I'm not mistaken. Did he score against Cardiff? I think he might have done. He scored a lot of goals in his time. Yeah, we, well, we beat Cardiff. And when we had beaten Cardiff, we thought, do you know what? We can do this. Yeah. And then it was just the players knew, you know, their mindset was one of, you know, wasn't like, it so, was one of, bang, we can do this. So you told them after that Cardiff win? No, did you reveal we didn't it have to, to. You didn't? We didn't have to tell the players anything. As long as we knew, because what you want to do, listen, if you put pressure on, on, on a group, you know, it's how you deliver it to them, how yeah. it's that self-belief, it's that kind of um, understanding of what's required and the belief that they can do it. Because some of them players, if you looked at them, we didn't, have, we didn't really have household names in that no, squad. not at all. Players that had no divine right to the outside world or to the media or to, to play in the Premier League. Mm. But every yeah. single one of them deserved to yeah. play in the you know, Premier League. Elliot Bennett, you know, mm. everyone deserved by virtue of how hard they worked yeah. and how hard they kind of mixed together mm. and then it was I think the day we got promoted I remember see the two goals I remember the most uh, Michael Nelson's goal against yeah. Charlton oh yeah. my god yeah and then 
the Simeon one against Portsmouth. That was on the beanbag at yeah. Carrow, yeah. Nelson versus Charlton, that was. So Cardiff, I think, had played earlier that yeah. day. So we knew if he'd won that game, then we were up. Yeah. And it was real nerves. But he did it, Simeon, to be fair. And it was that never, day, never say die one, mm. like the Derby game. Yeah. But now, that's why you can relate now to the, Yeah. Because now, the, the lads now, they just can't be beaten. Mm. All right, they, it will happen to you, but it will, you'll learn mm. when it comes. And, and they're you, a young squad. How do you instill that mindset? Because I know, you know it's very easy from the outside in going, well, it was, it was a really tight-knit group, but we've already heard from you that the planning was intrinsic. It, it was meticulous. Yeah. But how, I don't think you can teach that mindset, can you? It, it, it's almost the culture that you builds. You cultivate it. So how do you do that? You cultivate it, and then what you do is you make, first and foremost, you put the idea and the seeds in, mm. and how important everyone is to what everyone, mm. and how important it is for everyone to appreciate what everyone does, how important it is to work ever so hard on that training pitch. Mm. We knew that, again, beginning of the season till Christmas, we would work ever, ever so hard. We'd have injuries as a consequence, but Christmas onwards, mm. we would be fitter and stronger yeah. than a lot of the sides that mm. we would be up against. And the players understood that and put the work in. Mm. And it's all about that hard work and then the results obviously <clears throat> make a difference. Mm. Once you start getting the results, the belief starts to kind of, what, do you know what, oh, great, you know, and then you're playing sides that you're kind of the underdog, which doesn't hurt, and you're getting results. You know, you're kind of getting a draw, getting mm. a win. It was all about getting your home results and mm. trying to get draws away or what you could away from home. You know, so... As Chris mentions there, there's a lot of talk about Ian Culverhouse. What's Paul Lambert's role in all of this? Because he was the, he was the hero for Norwich fans, and, and I'm not going to get away from that. Opinions may have changed slightly now, but what's Paul's... Role in all of this. Well, the manager's role is to is front of house, okay. and quite rightly so. And um, in terms of that role, it is to deliver the expectation and to kind of be at the helm, orchestrating it all. We're now in the Premier League, first game, with the big boys. First game was Wigan. Wigan, we drew one, or we should have won that game. West scored, didn't they? Did. Yeah, we should have won that game. Scored a penalty. Yeah. Is the mindset still the same or are you slightly taken away with the, the Premier League glitz and glamour, the, the money that suddenly hit you? Or are you still trying to keep that same mindset that's worked so well? Well, initially, there's, there's a, an area of apprehension. Oh, it's an unknown territory for uh, the players and the staff alike. So what you do, first and foremost, you keep it as simple as you can. Again, the ethos and the philosophy and the mindset stays the same. We're one group, mm. you know, but you simplify things. You don't over kind of exaggerate situations. You don't start changing the hotels you're in. You don't start to kind of go into areas that might not kind of make a difference. Mm. Um, and then you find your feet and then you know what you need. And then players start to, again, one, two, three results, the <clears throat> player's mindset then, do you know what? Yeah. We, can, we can do this. Mm -hmm. We can do this. And then... What, was there a, ever a time of egos getting in the way that suddenly these players have gone from playing at Yeovil away to playing at Old Trafford was was, was controlling egos? Part you know of the what? Job? Not, I've seen egos. Mm. Um, not really. If I'm really, really honest, it was the humility... Was unbelievable because they appreciated where they were and where they'd got to, mm. uh, and worked ever so hard to stay there. Mm. You know, and, and they were just grateful to be there, weren't they? Yeah, grateful, happy to be there, but knew how hard it was to get there, and knew that it would be hard work to stay there, mm. and they did. You know, it was refreshing to be fair. Absolutely. Um. Would you say, I think it was, was it 13th, 14th we finished that season? An unbelievable season, it must be said. Does that rank in one of the, the best sort of periods in your career? Yeah, do you know what? I think it was Tottenham 2 won the last game of the season, if I'm not mistaken. It was near the end, wasn't it? It Elliot was, Bennett yeah, because we went home by train. 
because obviously being in London and yeah. all that, we went on by train, and the fans were unbelievable, mm. fantastic. And and you thought, you know, but getting promoted in League One, and then Simeon putting that one away to get us there, <laughs> unbelievable. There are moments that stay with you, mm. you know, um, <clears throat> and being in the Premier League and getting to that. You know, and you know, we, we were kind of we wanted to to get as high. We, you know, then you become eager and not greedy, but you want to. You know, we if the season had Make gone on another six games, mm. we'd have gone another couple of places. No yeah. problem with that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That Premier League season ended up being your final at the club. Yes. Um, just I know you can't say go into too much specifics um, but one of the questions we had was from Rory Ives who said "Did do you regret leaving Norwich City? Regret is a strong word mm. and hindsight is what everyone wishes they had isn't it? But at the time um, initially myself and Ian were at a point where we may have stayed mm. given you know the situation and given the but for whatever reason, it wasn't to be. Uh, and then we finally went. Um, the way we went, kind of thing, you know, it was one where I got a lovely note from Delia. It was, and I've kept that and I framed it. Have you really? Studied. Yeah, yeah. It Good was man. Such a wonderful family, you know, mm. and, and such nice people. Michael mm. and Michael Folger as well, you know, and Etty. Fantastic people. So. That was sad, um, a tinge of sadness because we didn't really get to say bye-bye mm. to mm. the people we'd worked with, um, the people we'd shared emotions with, um, yeah. and that kind of, but you know, you get, you do get the opportunities, like a couple of times me and Joe uh, Ferrari um, have kind of like seen and spoken, yeah. what have you. So that was a little bit, you know, tinge of sadness with that but again life goes on mm -hmm. you know and you can't sit and wonder what might have been what should have done because otherwise you know you've got to look forward yeah um we had done a great job i think you know and i think you've we kind of left job, mate, yeah. a, a kind of lasting impression and it was yeah. a joy it was a joy to be here to be mm. fair it was you know a fantastic project a fantastic journey but like anything all journeys unfortunately come to an end you know for whatever reason chris that note from Delia we've heard many stories like that haven't we I think mm. yeah, what, what a wonderful lady and a, and a good owner yeah I don't, I, I don't think it's just Delia either I think obviously Gary's mentioned Michael obviously as well Delia's mum mm. I mean I remember when I was at the club having to lay out lay out some, some rugs for her to, to, to sit on to keep warm bless her heart and she goes to every game under the sun yeah. and I think that when you have people at, at the helm that give that much of a shit mm. it's so powerful and obviously a lot of fans they're not privy to these they don't hear this stuff but Delia and we, we talk about we've been Russ Mars in the situation these are the people that are going above and beyond they're, they're contacting players they're probably lifting players when they're low which makes all the blooming difference and that in a sense in an essence is what makes North City special is that I think that our owners definitely go above and beyond. Yeah, all right. They're down to their last peanuts now. Let's not hide that they are. But my God, do they care. Mm. And, and and at the moment, you know, what we're doing is we, we're really caring. And look where we are in the league, mm. right? You know, yeah. um, and, and there's a lot of clubs that have splashed a ton of money, way more than us, and then below us in the league. So that says to me that, that, that we're doing things right. All right, we might have a couple of, of mediocre seasons, but we'll be back. We'll be back up in the Premier League, hundred percent. Let's move on to some Twitter questions now. We've got. I think it's fair to say, Chris, um, the biggest reaction we've ever had, and we've had uh, really? had some decent people on it. So because okay. you because you bugged off without saying goodbye, and then no one's <laughs> yes, had the chance to yes, yes, ask yes, these questions. Say, yeah. um, we've got some interesting questions, to say the least. We do indeed. <laughs> now this is an interesting one from our good friend Salute and Trebeni. Good to see you. Now just here, I'm not sure if you can see it. Crofts. Number seven, um, Football League shirt is here. He asks, who was the best player to coach attitude-wise at Norwich? As a collective, they were brilliant. But the, again, I keep mentioning his name, but 
Russell, uh, Crofty. Uh, Which Crofty are you talking about? Here? Um, Andrew. Andrew, okay. Yeah, they, he was before our time. <laughs> okay. um, Johnny Howson. Um, Holtie was superb, to be fair, because he just constantly kept them going, you know, constantly kept on at them. Mm. Uh, Bradley Johnson just worked his socks off. Players that, you know, had a little bit about them as well mm. and, and dragged everyone at times when they needed to be. They mm. were, it was quite an easy group to coach, you know, it really was. And again, the sessions were, they'd always want to know, which is a great sign. When a player wants to know what you're doing, Yeah, it's, it's always a great sign because then they... They they know it's not going to be monotonous. They know it's not, oh it's Tuesday. It's going to be a work day. We're going to be yeah. it's never like that. Everything was done with the ball, mm. uh, with an intensity that you could relate to a game. The period of training was all related to the ninety minutes on a Saturday, and it was all kind of game related in terms of movement and you know and, and how it would help on game day, mm. especially depending on who we were playing, because again it was about identifying the strengths and nullifying them and then the weaknesses and kind of exposing them and that's why we were able to kind of get the and results. And did you have kind of anal analysts doing this for you or was this your job? No, initially it was, we just used to watch the clips, you yeah. know, watch the films and then um, Gareth come in and lad, okay. uh, who kind of, but again in those days they didn't have the emphasis that they do now, mm. which I don't, is it a bad thing? I don't know, you know, you can be baffled with the science of it sometimes. Yeah. But he kind of clipped the bits that we felt would be relevant for us to to use, set pieces for and against, all that kind of stuff. And I remember we uh, when we played Swansea away, the hotel we was in, Swansea had left their, um, kind of before you get a report before a game, didn't you? Yeah. And Swansea had left their one. On us, okay. So we we're able to look at that. It was, it was <laughs> thanks it was, very much. It was superb, <laughs> but in actual fact, the template was quite good because they used not diagrams but pictures, okay. You know of certain things. So we took kind of we took it and we looked at it. And we thought that's interesting. No, oh, okay. So if I say we won that game, I don't think we ever lost against them. But <laughs> It was, yeah. Yeah, it was a good template. Yeah, it was a good template. Cheers for your template, Swansea. Yeah, thank you. Um, James Edwards, any training ground bust-ups slash exciting stories or insider info that can be revealed? Uh, sorry, quite boring in that respect. I mean, the yellow shirt, sometimes there'd be a tantrum, but nothing, you know, major. A good group of lads. A good group yeah, of lads. Like Jim French, how long did David McNally spend with you after the 7-1? Apparently, the Colchester bus was delayed leaving. Well... Go on, spill the beans, go on. I think we were there for about 30 minutes, 40 minutes. Um, we were in the, the lounge. Mm. Um, and being as far as being delayed, I know it was a long while ago, but I don't think it was delayed any more than usual, if okay. I'm honest. Truth <laughs> be said, I can't, yeah. No. Brilliant. Right, let's go on to some more questions. Right, Chris, let's get on to this current Norwich City side. It was FA Cup third round weekend just yeah. past the magic of the cup. QPR got through, well done. Mm -hmm. Norwich didn't. Um, we lost to League One leaders Portsmouth. Grant Hanley is now suspended. What did you take from that game? I've got a bit of an unpopular opinion. I found Grant Hanley's red card hilarious. He clattered him. <laughs> he absolutely battered him. It was, it was a cool and, and, and if that had been on a Norwich player, I would have been... Absolutely an uproar on the lower Barclay shouting and swearing at that. Um, I think sometimes you've got to hold your hands up. Um, we did deserve to go down to 10 men. My absolute compliments are with Portsmouth because I thought that they were resolute and they, they defended well. Um, and for me, they deserve to go through. And as we all know as Norwich City fans, this season we need to concentrate on the league. Last season, the FA Cup provided hope. Mm. It provided a platform to say, actually... How far can we push this cup, this new culture that we've instilled? So for me this season, of course, we concentrate on the league um, and, and that's the most important thing. And I've got a funny feeling Sheffield United had a similar idea because, of course, they lost as well, didn't they? Yeah. But for me, I'm not bothered at all. And I was really pleased to see quality players like Kenny McLean get a good run out. Um, I, I, was, I was particularly impressed with, with, his, with his performance on the pitch. Um, and yeah, I just thought it was nice to see some new players on there giving it their all. And for me, I think that we're going to start to see some of those players actually being bedded into the side now because injuries are coming thick and fast. 
and it's funny because Gary, of course, speaks about you know his time at Norwich City and how they were they were as fit as fiddles and they worked blooming hard. And yes, there were injuries, but it was that fitness that that got those last gasp winners. Mm. And that's what's happening now. And I know it's a bit early to say, but listening to Gary and the culture that you know him and Ian and, and of course Paul managed managed to instill, I feel like that is happening now for me. I ain't worried about the cup. Got to be totally honest with you. I mean, there were eight changes, Chris. Any of them eight changes you think can push into the first eleven in the league? Um, look, I'm I'm Jordan Rhodes' biggest fan, and I still want to see us play two up top. I'm really sorry. I just I still want to see us go and dominate teams again because Gary's here. But, you know, you talk about that that whole. Jackson, Wes, that attacking, really aggressive diamond that we have, it was unpredictable. And for me, I think that we've, we've got the capability to absolutely override teams. I think potentially we're, we're maybe being a wee bit too conservative sometimes. I think it might be better to actually blast teams and then sit back. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think we'll see more of Tommy Tribal. I think we will see Kenny McLean because I think there'll be injuries. Um, and, and I'm just excited to see those players come in slowly but surely. It's interesting that, Gary, because I think it was probably under your regime that we last saw two out-and-out strikers playing on the pitch at the same time. Yeah. Do you think that kind of formation's died a death? Yeah, it's not often done now. No. Um, first and foremost, you know, it, it's about keeping clean sheets, about being kind of solid, um, and it's also not as fashionable mm. as it was. Uh, I believe in the championship, you know, two up top whenever possible is, because championship is, what people have to understand, is blood and thunder, it's two games a week, Yeah, you haven't got to be the most silkiest, but if you hurt the hardest, and if you've got that totally kind agree. of, you never say time mentality, mm. you will always kind of beat the teams that haven't, mm. and the results in the championship, you can actually see that. Yeah. Because the teams at the top are kind of define define the odds really, um, and some of the teams down the bottom you think, oh, why are they? Th-? But mm. you know, it's about the mentality of the player, mm. the experience of the player. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the main, one is is kind of the way people go now, isn't it? So, mm-hmm. rightly or wrongly, it's just the way football's kind of developed. From the way you've spoken over this past hour. It- I've seen a lot of similarities in what you're talking about in that side and your time at Norwich City and the current regime and the current side we've got. How much do you think this current side and the Daniel Farker and Stuart Webber is similar to what you guys created? Similar, yes. Good group of players. You can see there's no superstars in that mm. side. They all work ever so hard for each other. I think what Stuart's done remarkably well in a short space of time it's kind of revamped the whole thing mm-hmm. which is what you talked about from the training ground <clears throat> to the stadium the infrastructure in terms of staff mm. you know there's a definite plan there and you can it's quite evident to see it's a club driven plan mm-hmm. at the moment it's not individually driven it's not manager driven like a lot of clubs you know there's a club kind of vision and philosophy and whoever comes in fits the plan Mm. the plan isn't going to be adjusted Mm -hmm. to fit anyone or anything quite rightly so so where the side are at the moment I think it's quite fair to say that not a lot of people will have expected them to be there absolutely and it's that thing I spoke about you know this year was about finding your feet Mm. getting to where you know, um, getting to where you want to get to, and then next year would probably be the concerted push. Yeah. Okay. They're quite. I think the way I've I've watched a lot of Norwich. Yeah. Um, they're capable of doing it this year. I think. Good um, man. Good and one. I think that if the injuries kind of are at a minimum, there's some good good young players. Um, What's the you, young player that you're most impressed Jamal. with? Jamal. Jamal Lewis. Yeah, I like him. Mm. Good good player. Um, just wants to play football. You could see he works ever so hard as well, and mm. he's so he's very brave for his age. Mm. You know, you know he's quite happy going forward because fullbacks are wingers now. Mm. But yeah. He likes defending, and that's the key. 
Yeah. You know, he loves defending. So, Onrik's ready for promotion. You only know. You won't know until you get there. <laughs> you, 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 spoke, you, know? you spoke about that Cardiff game at your time that was yeah. kind of the, the, the mental turning point of, you know, you guys thinking we can do this. Yeah. Do you think that's happened in this current Farker squad? Do you think they've gone, they've looked at each other and gone, that's, we can we can do this? Well, the belief is unbelievable. You can, it's quite evident. Again, it's those late, late goals. They're superb because, all right, it, it was reverse on um, Saturday, but... Yeah. You know, you can see by that constant effort and commitment, you know, it was like, no matter if it's 89th, 90th, 90th, we're going to do this, we're going to do it, we're going to mm. do it, we're going to do it. And that belief, you can't buy that. Mm. And, it, you know, yeah. no matter how good the individual is, yeah. it's the group that achieves that. Um, it's too early to say um, we're what, I would say to you, just over a halfway yeah. past, so just under a half to go. There's a long way. It's a long way to go, but you know if it's how many games if we're in the top two by which game, you know when when do you think you know if Norwich can hang in there when do do you think they're capable of automatics do you think they're capable of playoffs do you think they'll sink a wee bit see I think at the moment it's too early to say you you'd look for playoffs mm. wouldn't you but you wouldn't have looked for playoffs I think at the beginning of the season no. you'd probably no look way. for the top half wouldn't you yeah. for all the youngsters to get their experience to get their you know kind of yeah. the belief um, to blood in all the new lads that have come in anyway um, but at this moment in time I think playoffs is a possible you know quite a reasonable yeah possibility we kind of it was probably the Cardiff game and I think it was only two or three games before the end of the season because it was tight up there yeah I remember QPR um, again if we'd had a couple of games we'd have caught them yeah yeah and then there was that little thing where they were going to get uh, they yeah. fielded an ineligible player oh I remember that so that was, we that thought, was when they added Abdel Tarak that's it team, yeah, yeah. you thinking surely not yeah because they were talking about having yeah. points and we thought we were going to be champions so if they'd done yeah. that we'd have been champions oh would have my been, god this, the fact we got promotion was, was yeah, unbelievable absolutely. it was superb you know and it wasn't till that late stage mm. because it was tight up there and given our strength in depth mm. we didn't really have the divine right mm. so again hats off to that group of players best group I've worked with no problem what, what was it like I've got a question what, what was it like being on that open bus tour of, of, of the city. It was superb because the fans, the fans are unbelievable at Norwich. You know, and I do, I liken them to the QPR fans. You know, it's a proper kind of working class football club. You know, Norwich is, they say, oh, it's in the middle of nowhere, there's nothing. No, there's loads of things to do nowadays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, Tell everyone. It, it, literally, <laughs> it literally took me an hour and ten to get here, and it takes me more to get to work. Yeah. You know, so they <laughs> just want, that. you know, the, the fans were unbelievable, and yeah. they're just so happy that you've done well, you know, and they're so happy and pleased. And they are like, that's, you know, it's Steve McLaren, what he's done at QPR now. The fans are actually believing. Mm. And quite rightly so, because they've had a hard few years yeah. Yeah. at QPR. And one of the reasons, um, when I spoke to, to Les and that, was that it was, again, that the philosophy was, in the past, a manager-driven kind, kind of thing. But now it's, again, quite evident, it's a club-driven mm. vision of philosophy. The owners have realised, yeah. and to be fair to them, similar to the owners here, uh, they just want the best for the club. And they feel that sometimes it's not just about spending, it's about investing, mm. Mm. which is exactly Where what Norwich that? are doing now. Yeah. Norwich are investing, they're not just spending. Yeah. You know, and when you say investing. investing, what's your definition of investing? Because everyone's... Value for money, return on investment. Okay. As simple as that. I mean, if, if you're buying, if you're taking the 34-year-old yeah. on, he will give you that value for the year because you know what you're taking him on for. Mm. So his value will probably be points accumulated on the pitch yeah. by virtue of him being on that pitch and mm. doing what he's doing. You know, if he's a 21-year-old, you know that, Two, like three Madison, years, for three example, years, yeah. Yeah. you know you know, that the, the Murphy twins were here. Yeah. When mm. we were here, they were trading with us. And they were only young then, like Madison, you know, combined, I think, was it 30 million combined, those yeah. two? You know, and that you can't 
that 30 million, it was in, the initial outlay was an investment. Mm. The time and, and um, development, yeah, a little bit on Murphy, whatever. Um, Madison. James Madison. But then you've got that return on investment, mm. 30 million pounds, which means that can be reinvested. Mm. So if you're buying a 29 year old that's been at seven clubs, you know, and he's coming here, which you had the year before mm. we came, Gunny had the hardest job in the world mm. because of what had happened the year before. Yeah, yeah tell me about and it. And I remember the last game of the season, people were telling us, by the time the game had finished, there was only nine players left because everyone had gone. Yeah. So he was never going to never going to do that mm. early doors. He yeah. was always needed the time and the resources, which unfortunately the club didn't have. Chris, yeah. it's um, it's West Brom up this weekend. Yeah, um, I'm off. Looking forward to it. Good, good. If one of your what two away games of the season? Five. That's, that's thank you very much. Fair weather. Fair weather. <laughs> um, it feels like this run is is season defining. I would say in terms of if we want to get into automatics, yeah. West Brom currently fourth in the league, scored the most amount of goals in the league. I think we've scored the second most amount of goals. Yeah. I think they've conceded nearly the most amount of goals in the league. And yeah. So have we. So. Probably a nil-nil then. <laughs> um, I think West Brom will be there or thereabouts. Um, obviously, I was criticised for watching West Brom at Ipswich. Um, I, I think that... I look at West Brom and I think they are shaky at the back. Yeah. I think they're more shaky than us at the back. And that's with my Norwich City glasses off, 100%. Um, I remember... Jay Rodriguez missing an absolute sitter at Ipswich and I thought my god how have you missed that might have just been a one off they're coming good now um, I'm not they did still beat Ipswich though yeah 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 obviously obviously um, <laughs> obviously um, but f- for me I, I, I'm not scared of West Brom as a Norwich fan this season I'm not I am worried about Leeds and I'm anxious about Aston Villa Um I'm always a bit worried about Sheffield United purely because of this weird hatred that our fans have got at the moment. But apart from that, as, and it's nice because as a North City fan, I do not fear going away to West Brom. I think we'll go and play football. Um, they're not going to play ugly football, which will play into our favour because if the ball's on the ground, then we know that we can dominate. We know we can hold possession. Um, and I think that we're obviously going to have some players come back from injury, which is really exciting as well. For me, I'd 100% take a draw. Um, I think that you, you've quite r- rightly mentioned, Jack. You know, we've got West Brom, we've got Leeds, we've also got the old enemy as well. Um, obviously, in early February as well. So we've got some huge games coming up. And I know that we say these are the next three games, these are the next three games. But that's the nature of of a promotional season. I feel is that you are always looking at the clusters of games, going, "Cool, these are big games," or "All oh, these are big games." Because it doesn't matter whether you're playing the top sides or you're playing sides at the bottom, because arguably if you're playing the sides at the bottom, there's more pressure to get the points. Whereas I feel like Norwich City go away now to West Brom, we go away now to Leeds, I'll take two draws. That might be me being negative, but for me, at the moment, we're actually performing better away from home. Um, I think that the banana skins come at home for us. So um, I'm excited for the West Brom game. <coughs> Gary, what will, be, what will be the mindset in that dressing room at the moment? Without a win in four, depleted squad... West Brom, Leeds, Sheffield United, Ipswich Town coming up. What are you saying if you're back in that dressing room? What's your message? To Every side players? has a, a bad patch. Yeah. Don't matter who they are. In that course of the the season, they will have a bad patch. Um, essentially, West Brom are a Premier League squad. Mm, totally but agreed. I think they're probably under pressure at home to produce results. Mm. Um, I think the key is to get any kind of result you can away from home mm. and then every week players come back what have you I don't know deplete is a strong word well I, th- I think I think the stat might be wrong now but I think against in our last league game 40% of our possible starting right. outfield players were out injured right okay I mean that's depleted in mind but they're all back yeah, but most of them back yeah because there's levels of injury yeah you know, of course kind of thing. so uh, or there's levels of injury that players could kind of still play but you choose not yeah. to against Portsmouth for example which yeah. is sensible yeah. and understandable so I think listen they're two good sides mm. Norwich and West Brom it would be a great game yeah and I think they'll probably nullify each other mm. um, 
Oh, don't say that. I'm going. All, I'm going all the way there. Listen, you should come back if you. You should be happy with a nil-nil draw. <laughs> again, you're going away from home. You know, if you get a draw against them, that's a great result. Don't forget last year where they were, and you know, yeah. essentially they've kept more than two thirds of the squad that were yeah. there. You know, so a draw would, I think, would be a you know a fine result to take away a point. You know, but isn't that great to have that expectation? And it's not just Gary. I think Norwich fans are of the faith that yes we can go and beat them but it's kind of okay if we get a draw yeah. whereas I feel in seasons gone by it's like well hang on a minute we've got a Premier League team why aren't we beating them and the expectations are well the championship point. everyone can beat everyone on their, on their day and that's why I said the blood and thunder the championship mm. doesn't matter who you are or where you sit in that table you know you can become unstuck mm. so I just think a draw would be a good result listen it may be a win, but what you don't want to do is you want, or what you want to do is avoid a loss. Yeah, you know. So again, it might be one where you go and you kind of set mm-hmm. up in a way to keep it as ugly as you can, keep breaking the flow of it up. Because um, I know, like Matty Phillips with the balls at his feet, mm-hmm. he'd like, you know, that'd be a contest if Jamal's on his side, if he's on Jamal's side, that'd be interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, it'd be a great contest there. So yeah, it makes for a good game. Actually, and even if it is a draw, I think the type of football both sides play, mm-hmm. it will be entertaining. Yeah, definitely. you know, it won't be one where it's just yeah, bang, edit, bang. You know, it'd be good to watch. I think I've ticked everything off my hymn sheet. Anything you want to add, Gary, to the viewing for people? Have you got a message to the Norwich City fans? Because of course you didn't have a chance to say goodbye. I think it'd be very valuable. Um, it was an absolute pleasure. Um, just to kind of be involved in that period, which, you know, and you spoke about the 7 1, but we did manage to go and get that 7 back, didn't we? <laughs> so we did what we did. And I remember, I think that game should never have been played. Snowy, because it? it was, the pitch was like that much of water. There was kids, poor kids, with those mop things trying to mop up was the that pitch. Was Doherty scored? Yeah, we beat, was it 7 2? I think we beat him. Was it? I think it might. Was it five or six? The dot. I remember the dot score. That's a show. So that in itself is history because we've come (laughs) with one club, then gone back with that club, and done. So it it was an absolute pleasure, and hopefully, you know, we've given everyone some good memories, Mm. uh, some lasting impressions, and then now it's an exciting time for Norwich. You know, you can feel it, you can see it, the changes, and I think it's testament to Delia and Co. I know you know what you're saying and what people, but they just want what's best for the club, yeah. and they and they just you know trust the people there to to do that for them, yeah. rightly or wrongly. But I think in Stuart and Daniel Fart, I think the best two people at the helm. Time for two yeah. new heroes, eh? I think. Listen, there's the longevity now is 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 it, it's geared up to be longer. The structure and the infrastructure kind of thing, the foundation, if you like. It is based on, on, you know, is it better planning? It seems to be because there's kind of a picture, a plan, mm. and you have to, you know, like I said, mm. they're going to fit the plan. Yeah. That plan isn't going to be driven by someone's ego or someone's kind of, um, you know, how they want, you know, it's a club-driven yeah. mm. adventure at the moment, and it is really pleasing to the eye. So long may it go on, and... Um, Thank Gary you, Fizer. Fizer. Thank you so much for your time. It's, it's really appreciated. Gary, hope the socks fit. Thanks so much for coming yeah, down. Yeah, me too. I'm massively appreciate it. I'm not sure if them socks will help my football skills, but if they do, listen, you're welcome to come and do a bit of walking with me. If you like. <laughs> <laughs> walking football, I'd so, um, we'll top man. Yeah, yeah. thanks, Gary. Top Cheers, fellas.